This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 17 for December 8th, 2005, continuing VPN Solutions. Steve Gibson is joining us via Google Talk, and uh, we're ready hey, to Leo. continue. Is this episode four of VPN, episode three? We've been doing this. I think this is actually our third. third. We talked about the theory of VPN first, like what's the concept of, of tunneling packets through another protocol. Um, last week, of course, we talked about SSH tunnels and SSL tunnels. And this week we want to talk about basically sort of the granddaddy protocols of VPN, which is a point-to-point tunneling protocol, PPTP, which was originated by Microsoft, and then sort of the formal IETF standard, which is IPsec um, tunneling to create a virtual private network extension. So this is really the alphabet soup edition. Uh, yeah, we, we have a few more to go. We're, we're going to talk about some open source VPN solutions and some, some public services in, in the next week or two. But I want to talk about the, 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 the VPN that most people already have. Basically, if they're using Windows, even Mac supports PPTP VPNs. And, of course, many people have VPN endpoint NAT routers and... There, there are issues with interconnecting all this. So that's sort of where I wanted to go. It's a big topic and an important topic because, frankly, secure networking, secure online use is uh, you know, top of mind for everybody these days. Well, I, I can tell you that there's been a, phena- a phenomenal response um, in the postings that we've received about this topic. People who are roaming around, the so-called road warriors, who are, who are in hotels or in open Wi-Fi, they understand that that you know their traffic is very vulnerable yeah, yeah. without creating a, a secure connection. So that that's of course what what VPN offers. Well, I let's did. start let's start with the kind of circle round for a last week's episode because even though it was a question and answer episode, we created some more questions. Well, yeah, <laughs> I I think I overstated the security offered by switches versus hubs in responding to one of the questions that we'd seen many times like you know is a hub much more secure than a switch I'm sorry is a switch much more secure than a hub because it doesn't allow you a, a switch doesn't rebroadcast all of the net's traffic out of every port I um, a number of people said wait a minute there are ways to breach the security of a switch mm-hmm. well that's not really true there are ways to breach the security of an Ethernet LAN, and we're definitely going to be talking about those. But I first, I don't want to freak everyone out with that until we provide some solutions, which they'll already have implemented or be ready to implement after we talk about these VPN solutions. So it's, it's really not that the security of a switch is, is unbreakable. It's that the security of the Ethernet itself is ex- it was never designed, like many of our protocols, never designed with security in mind. So it is true that you cannot passively sniff the LAN's traffic on a switch, whereas you can with a hub, 
but it is also true that there are active means of subverting the entire network that we'll be talking about in the future. That's so I that, just wanted I wanted to go on the record and clear that up. That's all, that art poisoning that the guy was uh, talking about, right? Exactly. We'll, stay, all, we'll save that for another. Uh, also, I mangled an acronym, and I hate when I do that, especially <laughs> acronyms that I know so well. I talked about CSMA, and I called it Collision Sense Multiple Access instead of Carrier Sense Multiple Access, and it has a CD on the end, which stands for Collision Detection. Right. So the so the real acronym for Ethernet is is CSMA slash CD, which is Carrier Sense Multiple Access with with Collision Detection. I, I which, admire your engineers, uh, you know, drive to precision and clarity. Well, but I don't think way, most people care that much. That's the only way I could I could code everything in assembly language if I paid attention to the, right. to the to the carry bit. Everything matters in assembly. And I'll, and and in in following up one last point, which was our discussion of how virtually impossible it is to use a public access point that is like a public terminal in a in a hotel or in a library mm-hmm. even you know like we we were explaining that even keystroke logging could could be installed on that machine and in fact has been found right. in public terminals many people wrote with various like clever means to get around that for example if you open notepad you could type a couple characters in on your password, then switch to a different application, type some nonsense, go back to Notepad, type a few more, go back to something else, type some nonsense. The point is that you could, if, if something was only only able to see your keystrokes and not things you were doing elsewhere on, on the multi-windowed interface, then you could even use like cut and copy paste in order to end up assembling your final username and password that a keystroke logger would be blind to. And there's, you know, any number of variations of that concept. Yeah. I, th- I thought those oh, those were clever and certainly worth mentioning. Knock yourself out, kids. There you go. <laughs> if you really want to do that. But I guess it is one way that you could use a public terminal and be fairly assured of safety. Unless somebody's got a camera over your shoulder and then forget it. If you really have to. <laughs> All right. Let's go on. PPTP, point-to-point tunneling protocol. This is the original protocol which every version of Windows from 95 on has had built into it. Um, there are it, it's there are a number of ways to use the protocol and because they're built into Windows they're sort of compelling. The problem is that Microsoft's first implementation had some very serious security vulnerabilities in the in the way the tunnel authenticates itself and even the second one ends up being prone to too ready abuse so microsoft is is deprecating the use of it they they uh, they, they call it non strategic for the future and they're moving to what they call L2TP, which is Layer 2 Tunneling Protocol, which is protected by IPsec, which is, I, which is the standard IP security protocol. But it is in everyone's machine, and in our show notes, I've, I've got some links to some pages that show, for example, how you can, with no additional software, how you can um, just use the... Um, the the built-in new connection wizard in Windows XP or the um, there, there's a variation of that in Windows 2000 just step through the wizard and basically interconnect two machines using this VPN they call it VPN but it's using this point-to-point tunneling protocol it is well it it it, it, it would be a, a 
point-to-point tunneling protocol VPN. I mean, it, really, it truly is a virtual private network where the, the client machine is acquiring an IP from the machine it's connecting to, which is essentially extending the, in, the entire network through to the other machine. That it, It's worth mentioning that when we were talking last week about SSH tunneling, there were really not using a VPN solution it's it's a protocol it's a secure protocol tunnel which uses proxy servers in order to basically fool your clients into routing their traffic through the tunnel as opposed to a, a true VPN which is what we're talking about this week that that actually gives your client an IP from the server and it's all it's like it's on the server's local network and it's being secured through this encrypted tunnel. Mm-hmm. So, so these are true VPN solutions. I remember uh, uh, using corporate VPNs that used this PPTP. You, you, you had to use Windows pretty much. Macintosh and Linux didn't support it very well because it's a Microsoft protocol. And the rest of the world's not using PPTP. That's true. And in fact, the, the routers that people can buy recently now, these so-called um, VPN endpoint routers, they actually are a VPN server. And you remember a couple of weeks ago, I started talking about this, my quest for the Holy Grail. Well, the Holy Grail was to need no client software on a machine out on the Internet. You're in a, an open Wi-Fi hotspot. You're a road warrior in a hotel. You want to, you don't, you you realize that because it's on a LAN, which is inherently unsafe, or your, you know, it's your radio, which is inherently unsafe, you, you really need to encrypt your traffic at least until it gets out of that danger zone. A number of people have said, hey, Steve, you know, it's cool that you're talking about VPNs, but, you know, once you get your traffic decrypted, it's going out over the Internet anyway, isn't it? So what's the point? Well, the point is you want it encrypted while your traffic is crossing the area of highest danger, which, for example, in a hotel setting is a network you don't control, or in an open Wi-Fi is, is where your traffic is inherently sniffable by anybody who, who is able to, to be within range. So, so, sure, all Internet traffic, as it passes over the Internet, unless it's explicitly encrypted by an SSL connection, um, it's going to be in the clear, but there you just have safety in numbers. It's, it's you know a huge tunnel, an amazing amount of traffic going by. Very unlikely that anyone is going to find it. But again, it's it's prone to targeted attack, but not sort of just general, you know, general. Let's see what we can pick up with our antenna attack. But these these VPN routers. My hope was that we'd be able with a Windows machine to connect to a VPN router. Well, it turns out that Microsoft has deliberately chosen to stick their head in the sand and not support the protocol in their built-in Windows client that everybody else does. Microsoft supports this L2TP, this Layer 2 tunneling protocol, which is incompatible with just standard IPsec VPNs, which is what all of the endpoint routers support. So it turns out that my my search for the holy grail that is no software installed in a laptop and you can connect to your VPN router at home is deliberately not possible 
um, using just standard Microsoft client. And why now, would they? Why would they do that? Is there a, a compelling reason to do that? Uh, I, I've got some links in our show notes, which in 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 the episode notes that that show them defending this position for like page after page after page it's like no we don't believe that this is that the, the standards yet exist blah 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 I mean, it just goes on and on and on it's like okay microsoft you know if you don't want to do it just say so yeah for whatever reason they just don't want to do it so as far as you can tell there's really no legitimate reason it's just they don't want to do it I'm 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 sure there's no legitimate reason because everybody else has and everybody else is interoperable. Now, if you had a Netgear router or a D-Link router or a Linksys or or any router that really offered good peer-to-peer um, VPN endpoint support, which is which is what any of these VPN routers do, they offer. Unfortunately, it's not free. But it, but it is very nice. They offer inexpensive clients, about $39 typically, for the Netgear, the D-Link, or, or the Linksys. In fact, I think Linksys's client may be free, but I, it wasn't clear from, from their site. They have something you can download for free. It may be, it may be that it, it's available, although I don't know how interoperable it would be with other manufacturers' systems. So they but, have this router. I put it on my system. Does it say on the box, VPN router? Does it say, yes. Yeah, so and I should the, look for that. And they're generally a little more expensive than the the sort of generic non VPN routers, but it's about one hundred twenty nine, one hundred thirty nine dollars, something like that. Now, and then now, I run the software on my laptop at the hotel where I'm worried about security. It yes, connects to my router at home. Now, and, here's my big question, and, and this is, uh, I I've been trying to, you know, as in parallel with you, trying to set this up to make it work. It lets me. I understand it lets me get to my home network and see my machines and stuff like that. Can I then surf? out onto the net as well? I mean, can I use my internet connection at home to surf the net? Well, you're a member of your local network. And uh, I think we talked about this once before, and I had not yet achieved that. Yeah, it's, um, it's in theory, it's doable. Well, w- what actually put me off of it is that there are still some problems even with doing that. The, the, the problems are, first of all... Um, there is a a problem with using IPsec through NAT through any NAT routers because the IPsec technology inherently by design protects its packets from being changed. It, it's an a packet authentication technology that basically signs every packet so that any change will be detected. Except that NAT routers change packets; they have to. That's what. That's the way they work. As they we they know, readdress them. They change the address on them. Exactly. Right. Now there are actually two. There are two encryption technologies for IPsec. One called AH, um, which which is authenticated header, and one called ESP, which is um, I can't remember the acronym. It's like extra sensory uh, in, in, encapsulation no. security policy or there protocol. Mm-hmm. Encapsulated security protocol. Um, the the AH approach does include the IP address of the packet. Well, we know that has to change. So AH can never be routed across a NAT router. However, the ESP encryption stops a little bit short. It doesn't change the IP address. Um, it does change the inner packet address. So it's, it's possible to route that. What happened is 
people recognized that IPsec would not be very useful if it was unable, it was absolutely unable to ever transit NAT routers, because of course NAT routers are, you're going to find them in any hotel, any Wi-Fi hotspot, and of course in, a, in any home environment. So what they did was they created a next generation technology a few years ago called, unfortunately, NAT-T or NAT Traversal. Now this is different <laughs> than just regular NAT Traversal that we've had with packets crossing regular NAT routers. This is special NAT-T is the acronym you want to look for, NAT-T, NAT Traversal for IPsec. What, what this NAT-T does is it wraps the IPsec packet in another wrapper of UDP, the standard UDP you know, versus TCP, the, um, the, the datagram protocol, that, uh, that then allows the packet to, to run through a NAT router, for example, in a hotspot, traverse the Internet, come through another like user NAT router, and, and then, since the protocol is recognized, if it's recognized, I should say, by each end, then this, this allows IPsec to work through NAT without any problems. So basically However, it's saying to IPsec, look, you don't have to change the packet. It's fine. We'll wrap it up in a wrapper that will stay, uh, keep its integrity from point to point. Then once it's inside the network, we'll unwrap it, and we, then the router can readdress it. Exactly. Now... Microsoft silently added this technology oh. in XP Service Pack 2. So it, it does exist in Service Pack 2, even though Microsoft is hostile for their client hooking up to endpoint VPN routers, unfortunately. However, all of the all of the very latest VPN routers also support it. For example, um, Netgear has an uh, an FVS318 like Frank Victor Sam 318 it's in its third version right now the version 3 router does support this NAT T traversal however versions 1 and 2 don't and unfortunately they're not upgradable to support this so if you had an earlier version of this particular router you'd be out of luck but if you've got a, v, a, a version 3 router, you're okay. Similarly, all of the current D-Link VPN routers also support this. The problem is it's very poorly documented on anyone's side. I had to contact D-Link and, and get a hold of a technical guy and say, okay, which of your routers support this? You don't talk about it anywhere. Well, they all do. However, only some of the of the latest Netgear routers support it. They 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 do have a PDF, and if you that shows a spreadsheet of of what features are supported, and there's there's a line item. So they're beginning to recognize that this is an important thing, but it's still it's sort of just on the on the emergence of being widespread. So if you want to use a Windows computer to access your home network, and you have purchased a router that supports VPN. A it, VPN and now it now must we, support the, also NAT T, the NAT traversal, so that are, your your client can get into your network. Th there are there are two ways though that a router can support VPN. So we want to be clear about this. Routers for a long time have supported what's called VPN traversal, or I'm sorry, VPN pass through. VPN pass through acknowledges the problem of changing the 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 port 
on the as the packet emerges from the NAT router. So what VPN pass-through does is for one VPN connection, that is if you're connecting to one remote server, the, the router recognizes, oh look, this is UDP port 500, which is what IPsec uses for its transport. It deliberately leaves the port alone. It leaves it as 500 when it comes out the other side of the NAT router and puts it out onto the internet, specifically so that the IPsec packet is not broken. So, so this, the idea is this would allow somebody working at home who had to have a VPN connection to their corporate server, it would allow them to still get a VPN connection to their corporate server even if they've got a NAT router in their in their home environment that would normally break VPN because it's just you know VPN you know IPsec cannot traverse through NAT so VPN pass through is different than a VPN endpoint when you've bought when you purchased a VPN endpoint router you've got a router that you can actually VPN to it, it's the server of of the VPN connection. So at, so exactly as you were saying, Leo, you're out roaming around the internet somewhere, and you you use one of these third party clients. You know, probably the same client whose router you purchased, just to make sure that there's not going to be any interoperability problem. And it allows you then to connect to your network at home. I'm so confused, Steve. You've completely left me in the dust. Can we can we kind of boil this down to uh, a, a series of recommendations, or no? Well, okay. <laughs> I let's um, uh, look. Let's get back to our original premise. Was uh, I'm at a hotel? Yes. Uh, or I'm, I'm actually this is perfect because I'm planning to do this tomorrow. I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to go to a hotel. What should I do at home so that I can safely use that hotel network? Um, if you have a VPN endpoint router, that is a, a router that is clearly a VPN router. And it'll say so on the box, or it, you'll it isn't. Pro- you probably paid extra for it, so you may you'll know, know. That, okay. you'll know that you have it, yep. even if you've never been able to use it before. <laughs> Which I haven't. Okay. <laughs> then you will, you will need to purchase their, their matching client software, because unfortunately Microsoft's built-in client technology won't connect to an endpoint router. It's intentionally disabled in this LTPTPT2P2. <laughs> yes, they, they, they just, they will not support it. They don't want to so do it. Okay. They, they, they won't do it. For so unclear reasons. You, you, you could then use this client software that you purchased for about $39 mm-hmm. to connect to your router at home. Okay. Now that would get you to your home network. Right. You could you could then basically do anything you wanted to v- with very good security using your your home network. Mm. I, I should mention though that you will want to use a pre-shared key, much as we've talked about with with WPA technology. So you have to uh, set that up before you leave. You do need to set it up before you leave. Now the other problem is, and this is why. I haven't pursued this all the way. Is it turns out that ISPs or hotels <sighs> can you be tell me del- they block the port? Yes. <sighs> That's the problem with with this failing the holy grail solution also is aside from needing to buy additional software because you're using standard IPsec or or point-to-point tunneling protocol ports 1723, 1701, 500 
those could be administratively blocked if for whatever reason someone didn't want you to be using VPN within or through their network. Do you think they're commonly blocked? Is that... Um, yes. And in fact, I know that they are because I've run across sites which are trying to offer this as a service. And they say, well, if PPTP doesn't work, try using IPsec. You know, hopefully one or the other will. <laughs> um, now, PPTP won't work if you're trying to use a Windows box because you'll have to use the LP2P, which Microsoft prevents. Well, it turns out that, right? that we we've right. mentioned uh, kind of um, <laughs> we've mentioned uh, one nice looking service called Public VPN, right? PublicVPN.com, and it's something I would recommend for people as, as a possible solution for sort of you know in this myriad of solutions. It's inexpensive. It's five ninety five a month or fifty nine ninety five for a year. They're running servers that support Microsoft's. PPTP and this level 2 tunneling protocol, L2TP IPsec. What it means is that you need no client installed. They support all Windows platforms and the Mac platform, allowing you to to create a, a secure connection to their server which would get you out of the danger zone. If you were in a hotel, for example, Leo, with your Mac, for five ninety-five for a month, you could get an account with them and connect to them, getting your traffic encrypted as it leaves the hotel's LAN, um, travels the Internet to them, where it would be decrypted and dropped out onto the Internet. And it uses SSL, so it's unlikely to be blocked. No, it, it uses... <laughs> and, that, and that's why, again, it, it's... It, it's probably not a great solution for someone traveling a lot because it does use the standard PPTP VPN. and yep. L2TP, yep. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, it's there, and we've talked about it before, so I wanted to, like, wrap that up when we were specifically talking about it. There's another one called Hotspot VPN that Michael Sazra likes. How about yes. that one? Um, I'm, I'm it's less just expensive. Op- I'm just opening a dialogue. Actually, it's more expensive. They oh. have a special of eighty-eight, eighty-eight per month at the moment. Oh. Otherwise, it's like eleven or thirteen or fifteen, depending on how many bits you want your key length to be. Okay. Which actually is pretty hokey, since even a hundred twenty-eight bit plenty. key would be fine. Plenty, yeah. These people are an SSL-based VPN, <sighs> but I haven't, I haven't yet finished my dialogue with this guy to figure out exactly what it is they're doing. Okay. So. Um, no we endorsement yet, we but will, we're looking yeah, at Yeah, no it. endorsement yet, but we'll come back to it. Um, ultimately, Leo, you and I are going to take a look at this OpenVPN um, uh, service and another one that I have found called Hamachi, which both look like they're very interesting solutions. It's not merely but, Yellowtail Tuna. It's a VPN solution. Exactly. <laughs> okay. However, I, I, for, for the sake of completeness, for people who have VPN endpoint routers, want to know how to use them, I can guarantee them they cannot connect with a Windows client. Mm. They need to purchase the client from their supplier. Because that then, uses the, the tra- NAT tra- traversal. Yes, because and, and also they need to make sure they have a, a, either updated their firmware or that their particular VPN endpoint does support the NAT traversal. Otherwise, they absolutely won't be able to connect from a hotel. And even if it does, they are subject to 
the VPN packets being filtered by policy by the hotel. Or, for example, maybe, maybe somebody wanted to VPN from their corporate environment to their home to, to, to get a file or, or to check up on their systems there or something. They might well find that their corporate firewall is blocking outbound VPN connections, even while allowing incoming mm -hmm. VPN connections from people that were outside the, the corporation coming in. As a corporate policy, they might be really locked down. So right. there are problems with, not, with standard VPN technology being used all over the place, even if you've got a VPN router. We're st I'm still aiming at coming up with a better solution, and that's what we're going to talk about next week. Good. <sighs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> okay. So I just want to recap so that people aren't completely left in the dust. And if, if anybody's still listening, they're, they're very brave. Because this was, this was complicated. It had a lot of acronyms in it. It did, although um, based on the feedback we've had, this is this is the discussion people want because they well, want yeah. to understand the limits of virtual private networking. Well, we and we want and we all want to solve this problem of how do I use a network at a hotel safely? And if you're not clear why we want to solve this, listen to some of the earlier episodes, uh, particularly I think episode 14, where we really talk about why it's just not safe to use a hotel's router. Well, and Leo, in all honesty, we haven't yet really explained the danger i don't want to really do that until we have some solutions in place <laughs> it's worse because than you think you mentioned arp poisoning and it's a horrible problem <laughs> okay okay don't don't because you're going to scare people you're going to scare me i got 10 days on the road coming up hotel access for the all 10 days <sighs> okay and you still have not found the holy grail for me which and, and and I've been trying all these solutions you know ssh tunneling and open vpn and, and so forth and so well all right and I'm a worse because I'm on a Mac. Does that make it worse or better? At least I don't have to deal with Windows blocking IPsec. True. The Mac does support PPTP, although it turns out that that is, su that is subject to man-in-the-middle attacks. Oh. It has no, no strong, useful authentication, and it has been cracked by, by various tools that are able to insert themselves. And in fact, we're going to show how easy that is to actually do in the real world. We're All going right. to get the solution, but we need to create a nice foundation here first. Oh, oh it's so frustrating. But that's good. No, and, and so if you, I understand people really want to know this, and it was complicated, but we're laying the foundation for why we've ended up choosing something else. We have to go the, a particular way. Yes, yeah, exactly. Okay. And it's just it's interesting. All right, so. Thank you very much, uh, Steve, for explaining this. And, and uh, as difficult a subject as it is, even a dunce like me, I think, I've, I think I've understood it. If you want to know more, the show notes are available at grc.com slash securitynow.htm. And they are very helpful for kind of elucidating this because uh, you've got pictures, you've got a graph. It makes it just much easier to understand. Yes, and in fact, for, for, for this episode, I have a, an extensive list of links that people can poke around at yeah, if they want to yeah. fill in the, in, in the gaps. And thanks to Elaine, who's going to transcribe all this and make sense of it, you can even, <laughs> you can even reread it slowly, and maybe reading it out loud with your mouth moving will help. Uh, we had, we, I, I had one, um, one person named Andrew posted a, a comment. He said, wow, your podcasts have really picked up speed. <laughs> I, I, I got a kick out of that. I thought that was, an, that was a nice analogy. Does he mean like, they're getting more yep, complicated? <laughs> I think he, they've really got his interest. <laughs> Good. Well, and, and we're not always going to do this kind of uh, high-level stuff. We're going to mix it up. But frankly, this is an issue for everybody that everybody has to solve. And, uh, you know, we will get what you think the next episode we'll finally get this Holy Grail thing. 
uh, yes, we're going to talk about the, the, the very interesting cross-platform solution called OpenVPN. People who want to do a little research ahead of time can, can, can put OpenVPN into Google. They'll find a ton of links. It's a, it's a very popular-looking solution, but it's not zero configuration by any means. Right. I know. I've been trying, and I can't figure it out. And who knows? It'll happen in seven days. It could, we could find out there's a horrible hole, and then we'll have to find something else. Um, if you want to read those transcripts that Elaine works so very hard on, of course, again, grc.com slash securitynow.htm. Steve also hosts 16 kilobit versions of this for easy download. And uh, we have decided that we're going to put together some audio uh, CDs of the year uh, as when we get to uh, January so that you can uh, buy it as a portfolio and give it to your uh, your favorite IT person. Um, we'll let you know about that. If you uh, want to listen on AOL, we've, we're on part of the uh, AOL radio and on the podcast channel. So uh, tune in there. We thank AOL for providing that and for providing the bandwidth for security now. All right. I have a plane to catch. Steve Gibson, thank you very much. I really appreciate your explaining this and all the work that you must have to do to understand it yourself. It's Thanks, Leo. It's a tangled web. We'll see you next week. That's it for this edition of Security Now. Security Now.